I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and this is your new episode of Baselayer and it's going to be a really good one. I have the pleasure of speaking with Gemma Caleb, founder at Stellar, and amongst many other things, has been an integral part of crypto and digital assets and blockchain for many, many, many years. And he's also with Danielle Dixon, the chief executive officer and executive director at the Stellar Development Foundation. How are you all? Great. Awesome. Great. We're going to have a great conversation here, lots to talk about. As it's customary on my show, before we get too far into a specific company, a specific project, what we'd like to do is kind of roll the tape back and talk a little bit about how we got to the point we are today. And so as I mentioned, Jed, you know, you have an extensive background in this space. If you could just illuminate for those that are learning about digital assets, about blockchains, people are starting to learn about block, about Bitcoin that's distinguishing between Bitcoin and blockchain. This is a new world to them, and you've been a part of it for a really long time and a very integral part of it. So if you could just wind the tape back a little bit, and then, Danielle, we really would love to hear about your background. You spent a lot of time at places like Mozilla. And so just give us a little bit of a background on both of you, and then we'll get into Stellar and everything that you're doing there. Uh, sure, yeah. So um, let's see. I've been a programmer for you know, since basically elementary school, I, I uh, made this, I've been in distributed systems for a very long time. I, I did an early file sharing network back, uh, you know, around 2000. Um, and uh, and it has a lot of properties that are similar to the way Bitcoin and these blockchain kind of technologies work. And so when I first learned about Bitcoin, and I think in like summer of 2010, uh, I got super excited about it um, and dove right in. And, and, and it was very early days. So there was you know, maybe only 2,000 people that even knew about Bitcoin at that point. Um, and there was no exchange or anything like that. So I built I built the kind of the first Bitcoin exchange um, just because I wanted to kind of learn the technology. Um, that was called Mt. Gox. Uh, later gave that to the person who kind of uh, didn't handle it well. Uh, and then, and then um, started thinking about other ways to um, solve the consensus problem that is what, essentially what Bitcoin does um, and came up with the idea that led to Ripple. Uh, and then ultimately came up with the idea that, that to stellar. So that's my background. Awesome. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to try to make mine sound super interesting too. So um, mine, I started out as a trial lawyer years and years ago. And uh, what I really loved about that is just putting together puzzles and um, ideas from different parts of uh, cases that I'd have about technology. And so for me, technology became like my big focus and what I wanted to do. Uh, so I went and worked at a couple different technology companies. I ended up at Mozilla, where I spent seven years. I was the COO there, managed a lot of different pieces of the organization, uh, did some of the policy work there, which I loved, focusing on the, the the web and openness and transparency and really how we could 
create some foundational structures around this to make it so that we didn't have the walled gardens that we seem to have today. Um, so from that, what I loved about getting into uh, this into blockchain and coming to SDF when Jed reached out was that there were so many similarities and so many things that I learned from all of the years where I tried to focus on improving the web and creating this space um, focused on the user and on privacy and transparency and openness uh, that we could actually leverage all of that and, and do this in the blockchain space in this at the time um, more more nascent technology and really bring uh, blockchain into mainstream, but leveraging all of this knowledge about how the web was created and some of the areas where we went wrong with the web. And so it's just been so much fun to be able to uh, think about the things that I've done in my past and, and working with um, you know different players in the ecosystem and really trying to work for the, the good of the ecosystem versus the good of any one entity, which is what I think we do really well at SDF. We focus on Stellar, but also we just wanna see blockchain and to be able to deliver value to end users all over the world. And so that's our big focus and, right. and a ton of fun for me. Always like the missions. Missions are important. If you if you don't have a mission, then it's kind of hard to wake up in the morning. And so having a solid mission like that is obviously really important. So Stellar is an open source network for currencies and payments. Stellar makes it possible to create, send, and trade digital representations of, of all forms of money, dollars, pesos, Bitcoin, pretty much anything, according to what you write. It's designed for, so all the world's financial systems can work together on a single network. And as I mentioned again, we are talking to an audience right now of family offices and other institutional investors who are starting to learn about this world. And so we try to create a little bit of a wedge where they can kind of take a little bit of what they know from the old world, air quotes, to the new world that is being built here. So comparably speaking, in a relative value, if I guess you can say that, you know, how would be how would Stellar be different or in any way somewhat similar to something like a transferwise? Um, sure, yeah. So uh, basically, you can kind of think of um, Stellar as the internet, but for money. So it's basically designed to be in, uh, this system that makes all different payment networks interoperable and TransferWise is just a payment network, right? So if you want to use TransferWise, you can only send to other people who also have TransferWise, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, the, the idea is that Stellar is sort of like um, a meta thing above that where it can make TransferWise interoperable with things like Venmo or, or some like mobile money thing somewhere, right? So the idea is that that Stellar is a way to like you can you can translate between different payment networks and different currencies and different different stores of value. So it, it's sort of um, yeah again just like the internet but for money. So. Yeah, I love to think about it as the enabler of the growth of the ecosystem, and I love that interoperability focus because it just it's so it's when you actually have that interoperability, which we did in the early days of the web, where everything was able to talk to one another without challenges and without walls being thrown up. It creates so much more opportunity for innovation. And so if you think about what we're trying to, you know, with the ecosystem at large is really building, building with Stellar is all these different companies and these different ideas that can create not just value for the end user, but create more innovation and, um, and, and, and enablement for the end user to be able to participate in the financial system. So um, I think it's bigger. It's that underlying technology stack that creates just so much opportunity. Got it. And Possibly, maybe another thing that we can do, as I said, because the media, the Bloombergs, the FTs, the Forbes of the world have spent the majority of their time on Bitcoin for a number of years, and they continue to do so, 
it gets the lion's share of audience and the lion's share of readership. And so to help people kind of, again, wedge the difference between Stellar and between something like Bitcoin, is there anything that you can maybe point out that might help someone as they're learning and going down the journey here to learn about this uh, relative to other things out there? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, basically all of these cryptocurrencies often get lumped into one uh, big bucket when r- really, in fact, they're, they're pretty distinct and they're, they're kind of, they maybe have like the same underlying um, technical ideas, but they're solving very different problems, right? So, so Bitcoin is sort of designed to be this, this alternative currency, this alternative digital currency, uh, kind of a digital gold um, and to, to like, you know, protect from uh, inflation and things like that. Whereas uh, Stellar is designed to be, again, like this, this interoperable layer between payment networks. Um, and the idea is that, that Stellar gives, gives people the flexibility to like, to like reduce friction in like international payments mm-hmm. um, and, and like reduce costs and things like that. And so it's just, it, it is sort of, um, it's something like you can use Bitcoin within Stellar, things like that, right? So Stellar's designed to be this kind of more agnostic thing where you can use any kind of store value inside of it. Um, and uh, it's just designed squarely at the case of like, how do you make international payments uh, you know, faster and more flexible and cheaper things like that. So. I think one way to think about that is that a lot of people just focus on the token or the coin instead of the underlying network. Mm-hmm. And really our focus is on Stellar as the network. And sure, there is the lumen, which is the thing that is like sort of it, it um, allows and, and ensures that transactions get through without DDoS and spam attacks and all that. But really, it's the network that's important here and what that network allows. Right. And we're going to talk about the lumen and about what the role is there. Um, and so just to kind of backtrack a little bit. So Stellar has been around, launched in 2015. And I believe as of now, processed more than 450 million operations and made by about 4 million individual accounts. So large enterprise companies and companies as small as single, single dev startups have chosen Stellar to move money across new markets. And so when you're talking to large corporations, and again, let's focus on that right now because the people that are listening have always questioned what are the use cases? Who's actually using this? What are we doing this for? You know, what is, who's, you know, are there corporations out there that are using this to get an upper hand? And as we saw, not to speak, you know, as a, you know, competitor, but Bitcoin is something that's out there. We saw a large company on the NASDAQ just take $250 million of their treasury and allocate to that. Um, and so we're seeing corporations, big and small, starting to look at digital assets like Stellar and everything else out there as opportunity sets. And so you've done a tremendous job in the last five years. When you're talking to people, why are they electing Stellar? Um, well, so, so again, like if it's, it's, um, it varies by case to case, like you can use Stellar for lots of different things, but the thing we designed it for is like, particularly for people who want to do international payments. So like, there's a lot of remittance companies that, mm-hmm. that, that realize the benefit of Stellar. Uh, there's a lot of like mobile money things that, 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 that realize that Stellar is like really tailored for, for um, their use cases. Right. So, um, so like those are the, like it, so it's not really like a thing like, well, you either have to choose like Bitcoin or Stellar. Uh, they're just, they're just built for totally different things. So it's, right. it's like, you know, you can very easily have both or think both could succeed. They're, they're not like, um, it's not like they're uh, competitive really in any way. Right. Um, 
crypto Twitter just lost their crypto Twitter just lost their brain because this idea of working together harmoniously just does not exist to many people. But I agree with you; it can everything can work harmoniously together. I also think that companies use it because the well, I mean, let's just talk about like the the layer of the technology. It's like there's really strong documentation to it, so that you can develop on your own. You don't mm-hmm. actually need to come and get permission from us. It's one of the things that's really important about having a decentralized network. And if you're really trying to actually just think about getting money from one country to another and and having it be fast and simple, like Stellar is the, a great a great way to do that. And since it's it's token agnostic, like we don't care what value you want to actually utilize while you're on the network. You could create your own token. You could utilize the tokens that are available on it. It's important that uh, people have that choice. And so there's just a lot of opportunity when you look at a system like Stellar. When we jump under the hood, there's, again, for the last few years, as I've educated, you know, this institutional crowd, a lot of them always look to transactions per second. They look at Bitcoin, which has been you know south of 10, usually around 7. They've looked at Ethereum, which is usually around 10 to 11 or 12, give or take, on a given day. Um, and they always say, well, relative to Visa and their payment rails, you know, which can do obviously tens of thousands in a, you know, in a few seconds, um, that has always been the cry, if you will, the, the complaint, if you will. And so... You know, you mentioned that Stellar is fast and efficient and that people are going to be using it for cross-border payments. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? You know, the the transactions per second, the illustrious transactions per second that everyone uses to benchmark, you know, to this old legacy world of financial rails. What is Stellar's performance relative to that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, one of the things when we were designing Stellar, we were very much focused on, uh, scalability and, and making it like super fast and efficient. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I think right now it does probably like 200, 300 transactions per second. Um, and it, but all of it is pretty heavily dependent on the underlying uh, machines that are actually running the network, which is kind of, since it is this distributed thing, like that's, that's kind of, it's going to be this heterogeneous environment. Right. So, um, uh, but of uh, 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 like the, the current one can probably do like 200, 300 second but but we're working on like lots of ways to improve that i mean i think that's about the level of swift right now mm-hmm. um so I, I don't think because basically the way the way stellar is designed it, it's basically to link these different um uh, payment networks together right it's like to link visa with with like mpesa stuff like that right so it's never it it, it will probably never be that like the never need to like get the scale of visa just because like it's it's just it will just be the transactions between these different networks right mm-hmm. so um, so it, it can get a, like kind of a lot. It can have more impact than without having as many transactions as those other folks. I'd I like think to, that the, sure, the, the transaction per second is a bit of a, a focus because of what you say, like the antiquated systems that folks are relying on, but it sort of isn't the right focus. And what we do when we spend time with companies is that is often a question. And then we walk them through how the system works and what their utility case is. Like, what are they mm-hmm. focused on? What are they trying to build? And then oftentimes they recognize that the TPS isn't really the thing to focus on. It's actually, um, it's because it's actually very fast in, in terms of what we're doing, but it's it's the number of transactions that they're going to send through isn't at the scale of the visa because that's not what the, the use case that they're leveraging. So it's just interesting conversations for us to be able to have with these different companies to be able to focus on their use case. As I've said many times again, we are effectively, we as a society have become speed junkies, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, the idea of being able to just 
go on your 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 TV and just find the movie and just quickly have it you know ready for you within five seconds you know relative to going to Blockbuster and having to go to get a VC, you know the tape and putting it into your VCR, or you know even Amazon Prime having to go. You know, God help us having to go to a grocery store and getting a few things r- relative to having Amazon Fresh come, you know, within the next, you know, few hours. So we've all become very focused on speed. And so, Jed, you were alluding to the fact that you're looking at some ways to make things faster. And again, I agree that TPS is a lousy benchmark uh, in terms of how to really look at different chains. But I'm curious, are you looking at things like side chains? Are you looking at things like hash time locks? Are you looking at zero knowledge proofs? things that other chains have been looking at to kind of speed the process up? Yes. I mean, I think the two big avenues that we're um, investigating right now are our payment channels, which is essentially like lightning networks, mm-hmm. in Bitcoin, um, which is, you know, can obviously lead to like pretty massive scale. It, none of it really speeds things up. It just like adds, uh, it increases your capacity essentially. Right. So, um, and then uh, we're also looking at like kind of like side networks for like sort of like private instances of seller that can be connected probably ultimately through these payment channels. But um, so we're kind of like exploring both of those things and just also just like making the, the software itself uh, just uh, more, more optimized, but, but that can only get you so far. Eventually you have to do one of these other things. So. Got it. So the role of Lumen, uh, Danella actually, you know, kind of alluded to this. So synthetics have been the rage this year in decentralized finance and DeFi. And I believe you can create synthetic assets via Stellar. Can you let us know about that? I mean, I think it's the best platform to be able to create any value that you want and to to issue it on Stellar. Uh, it's one of the important things that we think, um, uh, you know, like, for example, if a central bank was going to issue a digital currency, it's the best place to do it. It's simple. It's very few lines of code, and it makes it really easy for folks to be able to do that. So there's lots of things that you can currently buy on Stellar in terms of the different assets that are available. And I think, you know, we don't prefer any asset. We're agnostic as to the assets that exist on Stellar. Yeah, so I mean, basically, Stellar—that was the original model of Stellar, like kind of long before even Ethereum—is that that uh, people need some bridge between like the traditional traditional financial systems and and kind of this new digital currencies. So, you, you know, you're like Stellar as a native thing, uh, you can hold like you can, you can like tokenize dollars or euros or Bitcoin or whatever. So, like, it, it's sort of a, 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 a like a, a primitive of the network is just being able to like tokenize other forms of value so it so it's so it makes it where it's like quick and and, and like seamless so. and can you talk a little bit about the the way that happens because with ethereum there's the leverage and the use of smart contracts to do that and there's the oracles that play a role within the price and the data that validates all of that can you just talk to us a little bit more about how that's actually done the the nuance not that seller has versus say something like ethereum so, yeah, so, I mean, it's basically, you know, it doesn't require any complicated skipped scripting. So it's, the model is essentially, uh, you know, you can think of it as like, you know, you have like any, any institution can issue an asset, right? In the same way that like, essentially this is what happens now. Like if you use PayPal, what you're really sending around is PayPal dollars. You're not sending around US dollars, right? You're sending around this dollar that's, that you can bring back to PayPal and get an actual dollar, right? And the same is actually true of your bank, right? You don't have a dollar, you have like, an IOU essentially from like Wells Fargo or whoever. And these people can like, they, some, some set of people will accept this Wells Fargo or IOU and some won't. Right. And so basically seller just kind of codifies all of that. Right. And that's, that's the way that the, the network 
operates and that's what provides interoperability basically so like you can you can like if you're paypal and you come on stellar you can issue your paypal dollar on stellar and some set of people in the world will be willing to take that and some won't but there will be people that can exchange between your paypal dollar and and somebody else's like you know uh, barclays euro or something right so um so so it doesn't need to be doesn't need to it doesn't require complicated scripting because it's all kind of baked into the actual protocol right so it doesn't even require programming to like create one of these assets which is which is pretty cool right okay um let's talk about anchors and so i think danelle actually mentioned this uh the idea of distribution of money um vis-a-vis these networks um and we saw a massive problem here in the united states uh with stimulus for covid uh where people that did not have ach linkage to the fed and the treasury uh, had to get actually paper checks and there was a bit of a delay there. And there's this idea, this grand idea, whereas everyone has a, a digital uh, asset wallet, a cryptographically powered wallet. And whereas if something like this were to happen again, that a government would be able to distribute funds immediately, almost like an airdrop. And so talk about how Anchors relates to that problem and what you're thinking about that problem as it presented itself. It seems like it's actually a pretty simple solution if you um, actually created, like if there were accounts that a central bank issued a digital currency and then you could actually just disperse it very simply in the accounts. I think that we're a little ways off from that, particularly here in the U.S., but I'd love to see us move to that just because of the simplicity of it and folks that don't have access to bank accounts as quickly and easily as some of us do, depending on where you live. Um, but I think that, you know, from the, the standpoint of anchors, we have anchors all over the world, including some in the U.S., that actually offer that ability for you to have an on-ramp and an off-ramp from the network. So meaning that you can take your local currency, you can convert it into a digital asset, and then you could, you know, transfer that easily to someone in Nigeria, for example, and then they could actually get it off the network through an off-ramp, and then they they could transfer it into their local currency there. And it's all done through the use of these digital assets that are set out by these anchors all over the world. It's a remarkable system, and it's one that is um, the decentralized nature of it makes it so that the system doesn't break um, quite so easily as if there was just one entity that was controlling the whole thing. And it makes it so that everybody feels that they have ownership of it. Right. So that leads me into the next question. So Stellar has no owner. Um, And so discuss the role. We've seen organizational structures explode, I guess you can say, relatively speaking, in 2020. Like DAOs, every year, as Jed, I'm sure you can appreciate, and others that are listening, you know, for years everyone said, "Oh, this is going to be the year of the DAO." And that's obviously for those that are still learning about this, decentralized autonomous organizations. And so, we've seen as uh, we've seen this explosion in decentralized finance. We've seen more of these projects moving to DAOs. Uh, having less centralization and even people's titles are changing from CEO to just co-founder or et cetera, et cetera. And so talk to us about that. Talk to us about how Stellar has no owner and talk to us about this organizational structure like DAOs. And what are you thinking about in terms of the future for Stellar? And what is the role of the foundation that you have there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the analogy we often use is just like Linux Foundation, where you know, I mean, basically, Stellar is this open source project. It not only is an open source project, but it's this decentralized network, right? That that like anyone out there can run a validator for and connect to the rest of the, the system, right? So, 
um, SDF's role is essentially to kind of shepherd the software along and um, and kind of promote growth of the network um, in the same way that Linux Foundation does that for Linux, right? Like Linux Foundation doesn't own Linux, but but it but it uh, you know keeps it moving forward, right? And there's lots of other people in the ecosystem around the Linux Foundation that that do this do similar things, right? That that help them along, right? So um, SDF kind of is seeking to build that as well. So like we we like try to like foster the ecosystem and we try to like shepherd the code forward. So it's not it's not I wouldn't go so far as to call it a, a DAO, uh, but but it is it is like this decentralized open source project. Got it. Um, and so one other thing about Stellar that I noticed is that you have made a few investments as of late into the space. And so I'd love to hear kind of what you're thinking for the future in terms of what type of things you're looking at for those that are listening that are founders of you know digital asset projects and you know blockchain-based projects. Anything that you're looking for uh you know, in respect to kind of harmonious type of uh, projects, uh, things that you're looking for for you know future growth. I mean, the thing that about the what we call it the enterprise fund, which is the fund that we use to be able to make investments. We focus on two. We focus on all the criteria that you focus on when you're making investments in terms of the management team and the financial and the opportunity for this entity to be successful. But I think two of the most important criteria that I think are unique when to our investments are that you actually have to. The entity has to be something that is bringing value to Stellar, the network, um, and then also filling a spot in the ecosystem that is going to create more innovation, more opportunity for others. So. We really try to focus on that. There's not one space that we're focused on in terms of, you know, um, what what an entity must look like or what 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 space they're actually building in. But I will tell you that one of the things that I think we need more and more of in blockchain, just holistically, is a lot of focus on the end user and making the UX design very simple and easy and and um, transparent for the user. They don't need to always understand the underlying technology, but users need to be able to access it and make it really simple for them. And so entities that are focused on, you know, being able to bring this fin- these financial services to uh, folks all over the world, especially those that don't have access to the financial system that we have access to in the United States, is a key focus for us in terms of these investments. And then, and then determining how that fits into Stellar and also the Stellar ecosystem is an important piece that we look at. Wonderful. Before we have a little fun with both of you, just getting to know you a little bit more on a personal level, one of the things that I know a lot of people have been looking forward towards lately on the show is discussion of roadmap, kind of what to look for in the next next six to 12 months. Is there anything out there that people should be keeping an eye on that should be obviously bookmarking their their web browsers to make sure that they're seeing this? What are some of the things that are happening out there that people should be uh, keeping their eyes and ears open for? Um, I mean, one of the things that I'm most excited about is we're, we're making this consumer wallet called Vibrant that's uh, essentially a way to do dollar savings in uh, places like Argentina or, or Nigeria or other parts of the world that have high inflation rate. Um, and it's all based on Stellar, but the cool thing about it is it's, it's very user-friendly and, and we focus a lot on just making it a good consumer app. So like the users of it probably don't even know that they're using a cryptocurrency, but it kind of leverages all the, the power that Stellar brings. So. I'm pretty excited about that, of, of actually making this this technology useful for people out in the world because we haven't seen much of that actually to date. So um, that's the thing I'm most excited about. And then I love that too. And I think that what we're doing there is just just a lot of fun. And, and I think really focusing on the user has been a key area for us. 
But I also love one of our key pillars that we're really trying to build our roadmap around is to make it so that Stellar is known and trusted because that allows innovation and that allows everybody to be comfortable building on it. Uh, and so part of that work is just really engaging with regulators all over the world. And I think that now's the time um, for us to be able to really kind of deliver on that promise to make it so that not just, you know, end users and developers understand what is the, what the use cases can be, but focusing on the regulatory environment and making it so that people are just more comfortable in different countries with use of the blockchain generally and, and specifically for Stellar. So I think that, you know, we, we like to be a bit louder uh, about these issues than we have been historically, and I think that we'll see more of that. Fantastic. So again, as I promised, getting to know both of you a little bit better on a personal level, and I think there are two things that everyone is usually kind of interested in. Anything that you have read recently, any books, any articles, any blog posts uh, that really struck a chord that you shared with friends, family, other coworkers? So anything that you've read recently, and it could be a book, as I said, and then what kind of music do you like? I'll go first. I um, I've read two books recently that I shared with others to to read. One of them was Deacon King Kong, which was I thought just a phenomenal. Um, it was about opportunity and just the ability for folks to grow and to see their path differently. And I loved that. Uh, it was a hard book to read at parts, but it was really good. And then another book is called A Bernie, which I read very quickly and it was hard to put down, but it was just really hard because of the the subject matter of it to to feel good at the end of it. So. Um, it was all human nature, I think, is part of that one. Um, and then my favorite music and the music that I've been listening to most, especially now that we're all working from home, has been country music, which is a bit of a secret because I um, it's from my I grew up in a small town in California called Gilroy. And we listen to a lot of country music there. And I go back to my roots whenever I need to feel like a safe place. And so that's what I spend a lot of time doing now. So out of 200 some odd interviews over the last year and a half, there have been three people that have brought up country music. So you are one of three in the 200 that have been done. So congratulations. <laughs> I think that is actually a very distinguishing factor. <laughs> I hope so. Jed, what about you? Uh, let's see. Um, I think well, right now I'm reading uh, Stephen Wolfram's like, book about like, his like, quest for like, a fundamental theory of physics. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm not convinced about it just yet, but it, but it's definitely interesting. It's like a cool theory. And uh, before that, I read this book, Barbarian Days, which is pretty awesome. It's kind of like this surf memoir, um, which resonates with me for sure. Um, it's, it's pretty good. Um, and music, I, I don't know, I listen to stuff kind of all over the map, um, lots of different things, kind of depending on context. Uh, lately, my kids have been getting into music, so I've been kind of like going over the classics with them just to like... Mm. Like make sure they they're not listening to Justin Bieber or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's been fun. What are the classics to you, Jed? Oh, uh, I don't know. Like, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, there's a range of stuff. I don't know. Okay. Like Sabbath, Tribe Called Quest, Okay, those are good. Yes, I would, I would, I would agree. Those are very good classics. Led Zeppelin, Tribe, all of that stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, as we're wrapping up, where can people find out more about Stellar? And for those that want to find out more about, you know, obviously um, participating in anything else like that, where can people go and find out all that good stuff? Well, our website is the best place, Stellar.org. And on there, you'll find a lot of information about uh, SDF, which is the foundation, and also the, the the mission of the foundation and how we we actually try to be really open and transparent. So everything that you can you can see our 
all the lumen holdings that we have and what we've done with them and how, and that changes, like it's, it's instantaneous in terms of if there's any transactions. So we, um, I think stellar.org is a great place for our documentation as well. And just to be able to see the different use cases that we try to promote for the folks that are building on Stellar. Awesome. This was Jared McKellab and Danelle Dixon at Stellar. It is a pleasure and honor um, to have spoken to both of you. Uh, first time that we've been able to highlight Stellar and everything that you have been doing there. And hopefully in the next few months, especially with that wallet that you're introducing, we can catch up again and see how things are traversing there. And uh, everyone, you know, take a look at their website, learn more about it. And uh, we'll be catching up with you guys again soon. Take care. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.